calling all women who are curious and called to be women warriors arising in this day of age to heal and grow together. I am your host, Jennifer Malcolm, self-made entrepreneur, women advocate, and life balance expert. Welcome back to the next episode of the Genesis Speaks podcast, the transformative power of women's stories, where every woman has a story and every story matters. And yes, that means you. So if you're listening, you matter. Today, I have with me Candace Curtis, and she's local here in Cleveland, and she's got a contagious smile and laughter, and thought it would be fun to capture her story today. So welcome, Candace. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I'm going to read a bio that we prepared for today and about you, and then we'll just jump right into your story. All right. Sounds good. All right. So Candace is a graduate of Kent State University, where she obtained a degree in marketing and psychology and played on the women's golf team. College golf is how she met her husband, Ben, who went on to play on the PGA Tour. It was after settling in Kent to raise their family that the Curtises learned about food insecurity and were inspired to establish the Ben Curtis Family Foundation and the Birdie Bad Program. The program sends packages of food and toiletries home with food insecure kids over long weekends during the school year. The first year, the foundation delivered 135 bags of food to the Kent School District students. And last year, the foundation delivered 5,200 bags of food to students in five school districts and now plans to expand into the Akron School District this year in 2021. So welcome, Candace. Yeah. It's nice just to see your face and your smile. So oh, welcome. Thanks. Thank you. We, we met, I think, in Georgia, fall yes. of 2018. And it was funny because I had been to these events before and, you know, we spot women. So women always spot women because it's a lot of men that yeah. typically are at these events and loved your energy. But you had kind of a ace up your sleeve that weekend because we, oh, that's right. there was a, a putting tournament that you had to play against your husband, Ben. And that's right. at that point, I didn't really even know who Ben was because I wasn't really following golf or through the years of golf let alone Candace was, and everyone's energy about you beating your husband in a putt-putt contest (laughs) was the highlight of the afternoon. I know, it was fun. Tim and I have always been, that's that's how we met. (laughs) We played lots of rounds of golf together. (laughs) That's awesome. So let's, let's start back at the story, because you have a unique story that most women don't have, that you were a professional athlete's wife. And you were able yeah. to participate and support Ben during his PGA career. So can you just talk a little bit about how you guys met at Kent and then, you know, the few formative years sure. of your relationship? We met at Kent. It was kind of really a whirlwind because I was two years behind him in school. So he graduated in 2000. I graduated in 2002. Okay. Um, he played the mini tours for a while um, until he got his card in um like the winter of 02 pretty much in 2003 i was done with school i was still working at an insurance agency as plan b just in case it didn't work out <laughs> and so in 03 obviously you won the british open which was um it's a major tournament for those of you that don't know it's a pretty big deal in golf yeah and so we kind of were we were 23 and 26 so and we were actually set to be married we were engaged we got married ex- almost exactly a month later in, in August. So it was kind of like, well, here we go. 
needless to say, I didn't return to the insurance job. We, when he won, what happens is you, you then can create your own schedule. So he was uh, basically had his card for five years. He could play in any event he wanted for five years. So now you knew that you were going to play in you know 20 events or 25 events. So it provided a little bit of security. But anyway, so I was able to then travel with him because we were, he could play on the schedule and it was a bit easier. And he wanted me to go. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't fighting either. So I had my real estate license as well at the time. And so I put that on hold and I said, okay, let's like, let's do it. And so that was, we did that for 15 years before we had kids. It was obviously a lot different. We traveled together and I managed so that I went into this world where then I became almost like a manager, not a, like an agent, but yeah. like all of our hotel and our travel. And because when you, with golf, a lot of people don't realize that that falls on the player. So they don't, there's nothing um, that comes out of your pocket and you have to make all your accommodations and they'll give you suggestions, sure. but it's, you know, I would get online, you had a, like a site and you can look what airport you had to go to. And so we did a lot of that. It was so much fun. For, so we did that for 03, pretty much to 06. And then our son was born in 06 and then our daughter in 07. Okay. So we kind of went like, you know, traveling carelessly to our son, Liam, went on his first trip, then got into um, the Players' Championship. It's like the top 30, I think, top 30 go. So he went at six weeks old on that trip. And then, um, so then we had our daughter in 07, and she was eight weeks old, and we were on the road. So I had a, you know, 16-month-old and eight, eight-week-old. I mean, it was a different life. It was tough, but it was so much fun. So it's kind of like three chapters, really. So we, I went full time with no kids, and I never stayed home. We so fun. And then when we had kids and they were small, you kind of picked like, okay, I'm not going all the way out to California for a week. And then, you know, and then when they they got a little older, so we probably went like maybe 15 out of the 20 weeks, or, and then when they got in school, it, it went down to about. I don't know, 10, maybe eight to 10 weeks a year, just because they were in school yeah. and we, we couldn't do it. And so that, that was probably the hardest because we were always together as a family. So that was really tough. It sounds like even like as you're reminiscing that it was exciting, obviously a lot of hard work and logistics and, you know, traveling is sexy to a certain point and then it it, it can get old okay. as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about it. like you'd be in a hotel, so he's got to play. Not only that, and then you have a baby that's up in the middle of the night that's crying. Or I, we did it all myself. Like for us, we didn't have a nanny or anything. So that part was it was hard just because you're trying to balance being new parents, right? And then, I mean, just little stuff like he would go and have to play Sunday morning. Well, we would have to check out. So now I've got toddlers, or I've got little kids, and I've got to get all this crap. I was a real joy to be around. Let me tell you, Sundays, you didn't come near me. <laughs> I know that how much you love and support Ben, but that piece of like, all right, I have the, kids, oh, the bags and the luggage and you yeah. go play. Off you go. And we had like family dining. So he, off he goes, you know, he's having a nice quiet breakfast, the omelet station. And I'm there schlepping bags and oh, and grabbing some Fruit Loops for the kids. Like, let's go. <laughs> That's right. You know, and then I was, we were laughing because we went somewhere with the kids not too long ago I got a Starbucks we flew and I go you know I used to, I could never have that 
because I was, I had like a car seat on my back and eight bags. And then I got to get a kid in a seat. You know, you couldn't even sit down and enjoy your coffee. (laughs) No, because hot coffee and children on planes do not go over well. But it was, I mean, it was so much fun. And I think it's just, it was the stress that any person has with little kids, you know, and and how hard it can be like marriage wise and just, you know, personal time wise and all those things that just was maybe a little magnified because we were, you know, you ate in restaurants, you you were always in public bathrooms, public place, you know, or you were in a hotel floor. It was just different. Absolutely. But it was, I mean, it was so much fun. We made great friends. And it was funny on that, in that year that um, Liam was born, I think there was like 20 six babies or 23 babies born on tour it must have been seven in the water but <laughs> so then as they grew we all had these fun you know they had buddies because they have golf school so Wednesday to Sunday as long as you made the cut you had daycare so Addie was a little easier to pull the trigger on because I was like yep <laughs> off they go you can take both of these children <laughs> what time what is my max time exactly what time is the latest I can pick them up I'll be there yeah. so then it allowed you if you wanted to go watch golf which I used to do with when they were little and then as they got older I was like I'm not I've watched enough golf I might watch nine holes and I'm gonna go go to Target with my Starbucks. And and that's fine. I, I, what was the most unique experience or the most unique place that you guys were able to travel to when you guys were on tour? I would say we went out when, after Ben one, we did the European tour. We went to Thailand and we did Japan. That was really cool. In Japan, it was a totally different culture, which, so that was fun. And then we ex- experienced it with all the other new guys, like Trevor Immelman, um, Ian Poulter. So like, they were all there. So it was kind of like they were all newer as players and yeah. professionals. So we kind of bonded with them and awesome. it was really fun. I'm loving listening to the stories because you're glowing as you're sharing. So you can tell that that was oh, just yeah. a, sweet, a sweet time for you guys and as a family. And that's awesome. Yeah. You just, you're, you know, you're trying to figure out like you're, tw- I mean, I'm 23. And really, you were thrust into this like life that, you know, both of us coming from small town Ohio. But I, I did write that whole year just so I would remember because like I, I can't remember you know yesterday but it was it was so much fun we had a good time and it just you know it was just something we got to see the world together Ben never like forgot me or he always I was always included like we went over to St. Andrews and we went over beforehand and there, there's no women allowed in the clubhouse well even when he won in 03 no women in the clubhouse and and I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? They want him to go in. He goes, well, I'm not going if, if Candace can't go. Oh, and, that's awesome. you, you know, they took me in and he even did it when our family went back over. So he always just never forgot about me, which that's was awesome. super nice. He's such a sweet man. You guys have such great rapport because he's on the quieter side by nature and you're on the, totally. uh, you know, totally uh, jovial. Not. Loud and <laughs> and so it's fun to see the two of you because he's always watching you and always with a smile on his face. So then, what year did he retire and you had to then transition from PGA Golf Tour and that high level of of go 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 to all right, we're going to transition and become normal civilian. It was it's been about three three and a half years now. So, but you know that's another thing. Talk about another like marriage thing. He. He knew, I think long before, I mean, I knew it was time and it was coming, but you know, I wasn't ready. 
<laughs> like I was not, exp- I, I shouldn't say I wasn't ready, but I didn't think it was where, you know, and he goes, I, I think I'm done. And he was traveling and going through the motions, but with us being home. And I mean, so many people have to do that. Right. And he goes, but he goes, I've done everything. I've accomplished everything I wanted to. I, I, and I was like, well, I think I remember we were standing in our kitchen. I said, but I think then you got to either rip the band aid. You're either all in. You you can't keep. You're just, you know, you don't want to agonize yourself either. You're you hate leaving. You know, it's you're not enjoying it anymore. And so yeah, so it's been about three and a half years. Which now he's home all the time, and you're like, oh no, he's actually he's got an academy now, so he's out more. <laughs> but but you know, it's just different. It is. So, well, I'm going to laugh because my husband went back to teaching at Baldwin Wallace and, you know, his semester ended like last October. And then with 2020, his classes ended early and he was teaching from home and remote. And so when he left, oh, I was man. like, I was like, bye-bye, like, go, like, go. Go, let the door hit you. Why you go? <laughs> I like, I love you. I love you. But just go. Like, I have four hours every day <laughs> that I'm like, bye-bye. And it's just it's different (laughs) it is different when you have and like and I went from you know and that was the same I went from like weeks so because I would be home kids and I would have our own routine right you know he'd come home like somebody would do something wrong that we might have been trying to correct that behavior last week well that's changed it's over it didn't work we're not doing anymore (laughs) you know because he's trying to figure out like okay where do I fit in absolutely so now it's kind of nice everybody's established there and our, our kids are home like fully remote so we're all home but it but at least we've established all our roles you know it's just funny how you you adapt it's just that that change at first was like okay what are we going to do now like right so then let's yeah so then let's transition to what you guys are doing now with the ben curtis family foundation your birdie bag program what year did you guys start that initiative so that was in 2013 so he hadn't retired yet, and we had like a nest egg of tournament money that was they'd given it to us to put towards a charity of choice. Well, we really didn't have anything we really were that passionate about, and so what we, we just kind of hung on to it, and we would give the like the golf program, you know, and things like that. But it was just we just didn't couldn't really feel like any like what's really making a a difference. And so we were actually in a hotel, we were traveling and we watched like a dateline and they followed like a a middle-class family in Texas, I think. And they were showing them like in line at the the food bank and different pantries. And the mom made chicken one night and one of the kids like threw away the bones and she's like, don't throw away the bones. I can, I can make soup with that tomorrow. I mean, it was just like, is this really happening? Because they were refusing as well to, they were trying to maintain, keep their home or cars. It was just like, is this really happening that people are having to choose between paying bills and eating? We got home. I said, I wonder if Kent's like that. Cause the town reminded me of Kent. Sure. And so we called a friend of ours on the school board and I said, what's your like free and reduced lunch rate in Kent? And, um, he told me there was one school at 80%. And then there, were, I think the district wide was maybe close to 50. I want to say it was like 46 or 48% at that time. And I, and I said to Ben, I go, this is obviously a really big issue in our own backyard. If 80% of the kids at the one school aren't getting food and him and I both were like, we couldn't imagine 
if we went, you know, our kids, especially when it's your kids, I think you can stomach it a bit more when it's you. Right. But if it's your kids come to you and it's like multi-level, like number one, I can't, you know, you're hungry and, and I feel bad for that. But then two, how does that feel as a parent to not be able to provide that basic need? Right. You know what I mean? On the PGA like side of things, I packed it. They did a lot of philanthropic things. and um, But they do work closely with blessings in a backpack. And I thought, well, why can't we do something like that but with our own spin? Because we didn't really think that Kent necessarily needed it every weekend. Right. So we met with a principal at the school um, that was 80%. And she said, oh, you know, even the long weekend would be good. And then that's kind of how we, she helped us formulate what to put in there because a lot of families maybe don't have like milk and butter or, or stoves. Maybe they just have a microwave. So we tried to tailor the, the food in the bags to match kind of the kids that we were serving. Another thing that you don't really think about, but there's not always an adult around to prepare it either. So it's got to be easy enough for a, a six-year-old right. to prepare themselves. So. Wow. That was like a lot. <laughs> that is a well. It's a lot to wrap your mind around realizing that this really is in your backyard, and the reality of kids that don't have provision, the basic needs and provision, and yeah. that social economic impact, and then be just the awareness. So it, that's the piece of once you become aware of something, like you oh, do something. So. And that's me. Like, I'm like 100, I'll go 120 miles. And it's funny because it started with Kent. And it was honestly, it was like a, not like it was more than a hobby, but it was just very small. It was 135 bags. We had retired teachers that would come help pack. And and then my, it's like a whole family affair because my sister-in-law and my mom, you know, they really helped. And Ben and I were the ones that formulated everything and we filled it. Right. And so. It started at 135 bags, then it was 260, you know, and so we slowly, slowly grew. And then before we knew it, we were doing the whole district. Then it kind of started to gain momentum. We, so we had that whole district served, but there's neighboring districts that were worse. And I, and we knew that, but it was, we never want to go in there if we can't sustain it. Like we don't want to say, oh, we've got bags now. So that's, kind of when we wanted to get to our neighboring communities where we were like, what, what is it going to take to right. to sustain? Because our Ravenna was our first one that like on our radar right. and they were, they're at like they, the whole district's a hundred percent free and reduced lunch blanket, the district. So every kid receives free lunch and free breakfast there. So are these bags like customizable based on age and like, so a six-year-old that has to be able to prepare food or, or are they pretty much standard across all the, the same? Okay. Yeah. Same. So we keep them all the same and then they get nine meals and them, six snacks meals would be your breakfast. And then we might do a bag of pasta, um, a, a mac and cheese, maybe like a chef boyardee ramen noodles, and then we'll do granola bars, peanuts, yep. sunflower seeds, stuff like that. And then they also get a, um, a travel size toiletry kit in there as well, which is different. And um, a lot of food programs are bird- like, so that kind of sets us apart a little bit is that they get shampoo, conditioner, and body wash in every bag, and then a toothbrush every three months. Wow. So like we gave a seven, seven year old his first toothbrush at the one school and his, the nurse had to teach him how to oh. brush his teeth. Cause he didn't know, you know, but a lot, again, a lot of uh, like 
programs don't cover those things either. So toiletries, feminine products, all that stuff isn't covered. That's that's intense because for those of you who are listening that are outside of Cleveland, Ohio, Kent is about 35 minutes, 40 minutes from downtown Cleveland and it has Kent State University. So those of yeah. you who are you know watching sports, you might see Kent State in, in some of the sports arena, nice college town. Yeah. So you would not think of this type of lack or poverty, lack of supplies or food to be prevalent in, in your community. And it's right there in your backyard. Uh, yeah, I know. And that's, and that's, I think, what surprised us the most is like, I didn't expect those numbers. And, and not only that, like the birdie bags help those teachers because so many teachers use so much of their own money, Absolutely. you know, for snacks and things like that in their rooms. They're so grateful for you know, for everything. That's kind of another facet is we work with the district. There's usually a point person and you, and what we do is we are in communication with them every month to make sure like, okay, what's your, your number of bags this month. So we just deliver them to there. And then what they do is they have their own um, team that goes through and while the kids are at specials, puts them in their locker. So it's very discreet. That's awesome. We don't know any kids. We don't know. We just know the number at the school. That's awesome. And we deliver them. That's yeah. awesome. Because that, that also, with the families, where there is that discretion, where a kid is not feeling embarrassed yeah. by right. receiving supplies and and that, that piece. And so that emotional protection is just an added bonus and an added gift to this, those kids. And those yeah. Families. I mean, now, and then Kent, because we've been there seven years, we've had our first birdie bag kids to like have graduated awesome. it's been really right the most rewarding thing you just see the, the impact it's making right and on so many levels interesting because my husband taught at head start in the philly philadelphia and pittsburgh oh, area yeah. and now he's a professor at Baldwin wallace in the early childhood department and so he teaches you know teachers how to be teachers and so he's in the districts a lot and I know that even piece of reprieve, because I didn't even think about that piece, the reprieve that you're giving to teachers, because when teachers see that need, you know, they go to the store and they buy the extra supplies. They buy the extra yeah. food, the granola bars, the snacks, the, the things out of their own pocket. And so what a gift even to that level of, hey, we're giving you, you supplies that, that your children can have. I didn't even think about the teacher piece. A lot of principals are like, they'll take maybe a few extras. Hey, as long as you know it's going to where it needs Absolutely. to go. If you need, you just tell us the number, we'll, we'll get right. it to you. They'll sometimes hang on to them just for those occasions. Yeah. And they can just say, hey, there's that, we do have extra birdie bags down here. Or if they have siblings at home that aren't in school, maybe they'll send two home for so-and-so's little brother or sister. Um, another thing too everyone qualifies if the teacher or counselor deems that a child needs it they get a bag so can you explain the word food insecurity what exactly does food insecurity mean for you guys i i would say it's when you you know you don't have the resources to you know get food or if you are struggling to pay your your bills and you can't afford food cuz sometimes i think that is almost harder when you don't qualify for program and you're still not making enough money each month to pay everything and then have money for groceries. I think too, a lot of places in Ohio, it's not like in a city. Like, so for us down here in Kent, we aren't in 
like a, a city that where you can easily find food and walking distance as well. You're almost in like little food desert, so to speak, oh, wow. that you're out in the, not in the country, but you go out and, you know, you could be miles. It's not like you can just walk down the street to the nearest church. You know, you might have 10 miles to the nearest church. That part, I think, is what with school, working with the schools is nice because they get goes directly to the kids. Like they, if they're going to school, they're getting the bags. But as far as how we do all this, um, so we have four of us now. It's myself and then my sister-in-law, Sarah, and my mom. So mom does all the bookkeeping. And then Sarah does a lot of um, like our donor management, volunteer management, and that sort of thing. And I have like a division and they just keep me on track. Everybody keeps Candace on track. <laughs> That's my world too. If we can keep Jen. My husband calls me the hot mess express. Like if we can keep Jen on track, we're good. <laughs> we're good. Um, and then in last January, we brought on Anne as an event like coordinator um, or project manager. I used to, I do all the, I still do most of the food ordering and inventory and things like that. So we brought her on, help me facilitate that. And then really our, our, a lot of our volunteer base is word of mouth. So it's just a lot of retired teachers and, um, and we have businesses like Metis Construction in Kent and they're delivering all of our Kent bags. Like, so we've got such a great base of like caring volunteers and fun they're all fun like we because you know me we like to have a good time if we're doing it we better be having fun while we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. well it sounds like that the community is responding to the need as well and to have community yeah. partners that help facilitate and some of the logistics we've just added that this year and it's been a huge help so that's kind of how and we do we have our golf event the ben curtis golf classic that's our biggest fundraiser obviously um and that's in august this year it's august 6th at Friday, August 6th. And then we have um, a wine event. The wine part was, and that's how I knew he was leaving golf, like, because he had this golf room downstairs and they had shoe racks. And, you know, over time, it was the shoes are in a heap pile on the floor and there's wine bottles. Like, well, it was 2016 and we uh, went out to McNabridge Winery and he did, helped us blend the Fairway and Vines. Um, Ben Curtis Cuvée, it's a red blend. And he also has a Chardonnay Fairway Vines. And a portion of the proceeds for each bottle of wine goes to um, back to the foundation. And so we thought, well, we love, we both love wine and we have a wine label. Why not have a wine fundraiser? So we will, we're doing that October 2nd this year. And it's at, um, it'll be at the Country Club of Hudson as well, because that's where Ben's Academy is. Last year, we had 15 tables of, and they probably each had like five wines on them. Sure. Then you that you could just walk around and taste different ones, and it was really fun. I mean, make sure you eat, but it was really <laughs> fun. So we're going to do that this this year again. Last year kind of was like with COVID, we really just we did our golf outing because we knew that we could do it. You know what I mean? Like we were comfortable that we could safely do that, but we didn't really do anything else. So. We're bringing it back this year. Yeah, that's good. So going back to now that you mentioned, you know, COVID and the pandemic, how did that affect the birdie bags and the and the distribution of those when kids now were home and you weren't able maybe to drop them off at the school? Maybe you were. Yes. When COVID hit, so March 2020, our number was about 2,900 bags and we do them once a month. When COVID hit, we started packing 4,000 bags 
and we were doing them, we were handing them out weekly. So we were packing probably 4,000 bags once a month. And then what we would do is keep an inventory there at the building. So what the schools did is they worked with us and they were able to hand birdie bags out when they distributed, like they were allowed to still give out free breakfast and free lunch Mm -hmm. every day. And so they were able to then put our birdie bags on the weekends, but we were giving them every weekend. So we went from a monthly to a weekly. And last year, I wrote it down, we we moved just over like 135,000 pounds of food. And we gave out um, like almost 41,000 birdie bags in 2020. And then in 2019, I, I forget, but we weren't near that for birdie bags. I mean, we were at our, tw- you know, we were at 2,900 a month times nine. So it was maybe like 27. And we couldn't have volunteers because we were too afraid. Right. That we didn't want to infect. So literally the kids were never so happy to see, you know, because our kids were remote. And then we had one other family. They had four kids. I'm like, you guys are gems because come on in. (laughs) It was like friends of ours, child labor. So, but so much good from COVID. It so much came out for us. We learned. I can't even tell you how much we learned just in that span of time, because our, the system, the way we had it, we weren't, we probably wouldn't have, it would have eventually changed. It just forced us. So now we run our line totally different. And we, before we were packing in Barberpin as well. So we would, because we wanted our communities to get involved, right. And you want to have like, we'd have Kiwanis and so they would all come pack at the YMCA in Barberton. Well, we couldn't do that anymore. So we, when we brought everything in house, we realized our food costs went like drastically low because we were ordering kind of in bulk, right. you know? So our, our bag costs, when I did the math this year, it went from like three or $4 a bag, give or take to, I think we're at like a um, $1.59 a bag. And that's with a dollar toiletry because we had to, we're ordering more frequently from the food bank you know, and now we have a facility, we have our own facility. Um, and we used to share the space, but we're like, we need the whole thing now. And so we're able to order food at, at such a lower cost and store it, right? Awesome. So now we can plan a menu out a month or a month and a half in advance. And that getting that cost down was really, you know, well, that was I was so happy to see that. And the beautiful part that is then the impact of being able to scale. So to say like, we reduced our cost by about half, whether you invest that in people, systems, more yes. bags, et cetera, like you're able to further your dollar yeah. and your donations to right. have a better Cause, impact. Because like with, you know, with growth comes expenses. So, right. you know, we grow more, we need more bins. I love it. My brain loves it because I love, <laughs> I love it. Well, but, and, and it's impactful and it's, it's really going and touching people right where they need it, which is at home. And that's beautiful. Yeah. How does someone get involved? I, you know, we'll give information about the golf outing and the wine festival, but what are some other ways that some, if someone's listening that they could get involved with you guys? So we do, we do have volunteer, you know, you can come volunteer in there. It'll be on begcurtisfoundation.org and it's under like how to help. Okay. And then there's this, another thing, if you travel, we can take toiletries because we use um, I know we always had a ton of them, and my mom would yell at me when I did come home with, what do you mean you left the toiletries? <laughs> it's only 50 pounds, mom, on the plane. I'm already way over that. 
but you can like we'll take toiletries if you don't use if un, you know unused obviously but the shampoos the conditioners the little bars of soap um we do of christmas events so we do it's called a very merry dinner and what we do there is again partner with the schools and they choose the families that attend this year it was a to-go style but the the kids in school fill out the wish list um, at school so it's got their needs and wants and sizes and favorite colors so you kind of get to know a little bit about the kid when you shop um, for them so then we have giving tree locations out in the community so that's another way if you ever want to host a toy driver giving tree Um, but you you we put the tags out at the different businesses and then um, you know, their, their clients or customers take a tag and shop for the kids. So then what we do is they all come in, um, we collect all the gifts and then we actually have volunteers that go through and make sure that all the sizing matches that, that they got the things they asked for. And so we kind of, we do that. And then if we have to shop for kids, um, we will, cause you know, sometimes they'll ask for a winter coat and they, you know, they just don't get it. And we're like, well, just we're going to do that. Absolutely. You know, like previously, their families were invited to the Kids State Hotel or the, um, another Immaculate Conception Hall in Ravenna. And they had a family dinner, a buffet dinner. And then we sent them home with all their gifts wrapped. Um, and they, they got all their gifts for Christmas. And then they also got pictures with Santa to take home and cookies with Mrs. Claus. But we couldn't do all that this year. So Santa and Mrs. Claus were waving and they just drove through and picked up their take-home meal with hammer turkey and all their gifts this year so That's and it was um we did this year we did 177 families and 502 kids wow so that's, yeah that's so that's really so that that time of year is a really good way to get involved if you you know want to host a tree or sure. do a toy drive or you know donate wrapping paper or tape scissors all that we like to work with people too if there's a creative way that someone wants to get involved we're all for it. Like, Hey, what works for you? So that everybody benefits. Absolutely. Do you guys, yeah. work, do you guys work with corporations? And I, this might've been pre COVID, but where, you know, Genesis team in Cleveland could come out and volunteer for a day and for yeah. a community uh-huh. aspect. Yep. Yeah. So we had companies and, and now we, Sarah, cause she's, you know, as we've grown, we've gotten like a volunteer management system. So now she could send Genesis their own link. That's awesome. With everything in there and you can just see everything and then you can sign your group up. Wow. Now, let's say you were going to bring, because especially post now with COVID, sure. we allow like 10 people. But if we knew you were bringing eight, we would just block those spots for your eight. And then you maybe either have two people or we just say, no, bring your eight. We'll do, or we'll do it on a different day. Sure. You know, so no, that's awesome. Yeah, it's been really great. Well, and we're so lucky. I think Ohio is like so great for that reason. People well, just. Oh, it's a warm, warm community. And I, I had a new, brand new conversation yesterday with someone I had not met and it was instant warm. There was instant rapport. Yep. And, you know, Cleveland, even you're one away from knowing anyone in Cleveland, like one person, okay. one, one person, sure. Sure. one person. And even when there's competition or things, you know, are there, people still have the heart to help and the desire to help. And I agree. It is such a philanthropic city and just a great place to oh yeah. ask community and ask partners to, you know, facilitate and people want to give their time, energy, money. But Ohio is still great because people still hold the door for you. People still, you know what I mean? They actually still, how are you today? Like just common courtesy and manners, which 
we love Ohio. So we, I mean, we love Northeast Ohio too, but we have to say all of Ohio. <laughs> I, I love Ohio, but I get crankier every year oh. with the winter, with the winter. Yeah. See, you know what? It's just January. To, at least the sun's out today, but exactly. you probably can't see it where you're at, but studio. it's out. No, it's a miracle. This January to March stretch is the worst, I think. Yeah, you I can agree. do with it leading up to Christmas, but now it's like, okay. Exactly. Like once mid-January through mid-March, it's like that grumpy time of the year. Spit your head down and exactly. barrel through. So as we close <laughs> as we close up the, this session, is there any advice that you would give to, you know, our listeners, our, you know, our demographics are, you know, probably 75% women, men, I know men are listening to this, but regarding, you know, philanthropic initiatives or giving back or awareness, is there any like just parting words that you would like to share with our audience I, I guess lead with your heart always that's what I would say that's awesome. and your gut too you got to listen to that gut sometimes yeah. I think you gotta they gotta have a talk they gotta communicate <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah if you find a you know something you're passionate that cause I think that that you you know follow that and I and I do think and that's where I think a lot of our volunteers I think they genuinely like care and they want to be there because they care well, I, I, I will close with this. My husband is an avid golfer. He's played since he was five. He's has been a golf mm-hmm. pro at Disney and he did coaching in college. And, and so I have never played golf until last, really last year. And so I, I started playing and I needed a, a fourth in an August event. So it was me and my husband and I, or actually my husband couldn't go at first. And so I emailed your husband and said, oh, hey, did you? Ben. I was like, hey, Ben, any chance that you might want to play with like a novice beginner? Like I still put my tee up and hit off the tee. And um, he was like, I would be so in, except Candace is playing at a different tournament down in Akron. Oh, I was. And yes, so, I was at Firestone. And so, you know, next time I'm just going to ask you, but like, I'm just going to play. I'll come do it. I'm going to. And you know what's funny is the kids get older, and Liam's pretty into golf, and Addie too. He, she plays on the middle school team uh, in seventh grade, and then Liam in eighth grade. But as they've both gotten into golf, funny how I've kind of started playing again. And I went to that event, and I was kind of like, and I really enjoyed myself, and I held my own because I have awesome. a little bit of a temper, so <laughs> sometimes a little competitive but the nice part is is I really fell in love with golf and COVID gave the gift of time for my husband and I and I probably I probably played 30 35 times last year and you got hooked yeah I did get hooked and I got all the nice little golf skirts and equipment and you know so that makes it fun too he's giving me new irons for my birthday so it's just fun something that he and I can do together and I enjoy just being outside and you're outside right like it's nice and you're it's quite yeah I know it's a great sport I like I'm so happy both kids have like taken it up and so we will look information and I would say we'll count us in for the August event because that would be fun just to support you guys and come out oh thanks and do that but awesome well, thank you so much for your thank time. You. It's been fun just to catch up with you. And I miss your face and just the time that we've just met. likewise. But I'm sure hopefully with, with some well, more calls in 2021, we'll be around each other um, sometime this year. Uh, sooner. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, thanks. Oh, and it's good to see you. And likewise. Have thank a great you. Day. All right. Talk to you later, hon. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So thanks again for joining us for the Genesis Speaks podcast today. And thanks, Candice, for your time. I hope that you feel encouraged. And if you want to get involved with this foundation and this initiative, we'll give all the information on our website as well. And have a great day. Keep your chin up. 
uh, take a deep breath, go for a walk, whatever you need to do to do some self-care, self-love. And we are excited that you joined us today. All right. Have a good one, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Genesis Speaks podcast. If you love the show, one of the best things you can do is to share it with a friend. Tell them what you like about it, how it inspires you, and invite them to listen. Subscribe to the Genesis Movement to empower women's voices and reclaim the power over your own narrative.